Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. I have good news for you. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, if you find yourself in a place of hardship, you're facing some challenges, you might even categorize yourself as going through suffering. I have good news for you. The good news is that God is using you. He's using your situation for his glory. The good news for you is that the place that you're in is a phase and a season. It will not last forever. That is the good news that you get to hang on to. There is an end to the pain. There is an end to the difficulty. There is an end to the suffering. Now the enemy would love nothing more than for you to believe that there is no end. Because if you believe there is no end, you will stop fighting. You will hand over the victory. But if you believe that there is an end... To the, to the suffering, if you believe that there is an end to the difficulty, then your hope is high. And if you believe that, I want to tell you that you're in good company because you're in the company of believers who believe in a good God who is victorious. And because we believe in a victorious God, we live victorious. You are victorious this morning. That is the good news that I want to bring you. Regardless of the situation, regardless of where you find yourself, it may not look victorious today, but you are victorious. Do you believe it this morning? You are victorious. God is victorious. Do you know why that is important? It influences how you show up for your pain. It influences how you show up. You don't show up defeated. You don't show up defeated. You show up hopeful for a victorious outcome. And what that means is, is you're saying, I'm stepping into it, and then I'm waiting for the manifestation of what I know to be true. See, that's that's helpful uh, when you're facing the situation and it doesn't seem to be changing. It's helpful when you have people around you who are going, hey, what's happening here? And why do you still believe? Because we do not see the outworking of your faith. Internally, you know that the victory has already happened. I am waiting for the manifestation of that victory. And you get to live live from that place. I want to tell you this, friends. Your suffering produces character. Suffering that does not produce character is wasted suffering. But suffering that produces character is a gift. Because it is that character that makes us useful in the kingdom of God. See, Pastor Sai taught us well last week about Paul who had the, the thorn in his flesh and how he described it as a thorn that was given to him. As one might give a gift to somebody. 
Paul had some kind of insight that we really need to tap into because he was suffering and he turned around and he said, this was given to me, a gift was presented to me. And we see it in the outworking of his life because he received that gift. He was useful to God. See, our suffering makes sense when we hold the right perspective. Have you ever, have you ever uh, uttered these words uh, in, in reflecting about uh, difficult times, reflecting about how you grew up, reflecting about things that you went through? Have you ever uttered these words? It was difficult. It was a hard time. But man, I wouldn't change a thing. You ever said those words? It, it, it was a dark time. I cried myself to sleep. It was a difficult, it was cold. I felt lonely. It was a difficult decision to, I struggled to get out of bed. It was difficult, I'm, but you don't know what, I'm glad. I went through it. I wouldn't change a thing. Do you know what you are saying in that instance? You're saying, look at the fruit of my suffering. It has made it worthwhile. I didn't see it then, but look at me now. That's why I wouldn't change it. Now I'm not trying to go back and repeat it. But I'm grateful that I went through it. Wouldn't change a thing. You wouldn't change a thing? The hurt you went through? I wouldn't change a thing. What about the betrayal you faced? I wouldn't change a thing. What about the loss? What about the disappointment? What about the lack of motivation? I wouldn't change a thing. Why? Because look at me now. That is, that is perspective on our suffering. And many of us are carrying that, uh, that testimony. I was raised by a single mother in a shack. Now I know what you're thinking. That, that's, not, that's not a shack accent that you're operating. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful that in the midst of my suffering, I had a mother who was, who, who was committed to education. Above everything, above everything. And she sacrificed above everything else to ensure that I got a good education. We grew up, we grew up in a shack. We, um, uh, we had a curtain that separated the, the sleeping area from the living area. Our plumbing was the tap at the corner of the house. That was the plumbing. If, you had to, if, if, um, if your bowels had to move, started to, to, to move at 2 a.m. on a cold winter night, you couldn't just kind of roll out of bed and make it quickly to the bathroom. You had to open the door and let the cold wind in and everybody is upset with you and you walk to the corner of the house, of the, of the yard. Some of you know what I'm talking about, that long drop. You're grateful for the winters because in the summers, it is pungent. <laughs> when you open that door, you know all about it. <laughs> and yet for my mother, that was, a, that was an upgrade. Because she grew up fetching water from the well. We had a tap at the corner. She grew up fetching water at the well, a 25-liter bucket on her head making a plan about where to go to the toilet. Why am I saying this? 
because it was difficult. But do you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. I felt insecure about it. I felt embarrassed about where I grew up. I didn't want people to see where I lived. I didn't want people to know my story. It was, I, I, when, when we uh, uh, meet him with friends, I would make stuff up about my story. I would make a father up because I didn't have a father. It was painful, but I'm here to tell you I wouldn't change a thing. Because look at me now. I know I'm not the only one in the room. I know there are, there are some of you who are saying, man, the first time I operated a computer was when I stepped onto the university campus. I know there are some of you that are saying, man, you, the first time I encountered inter internal plumbing in the house was when I went to university. I know there are some of you who are saying, I can identify with growing up without, without a parent without parents and feeling lost, feeling orphaned. I know there are some of you who could say, I can identify with having a sickness that I've tried to kick for a long, long time. I know there are some of you who are saying, I know what it feels like to live with the shame of failed marriage. I know what it feels like to live with the pain of loss. But you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. Because look at me now. Let us look. Let us look at the life of Joseph. And in looking at the life of Joseph, there are these three, these three phases or these three movements that I want us to move through as we are navigating our understanding of suffering. And it is perspective on suffering, perspective on suffering, position, our position in suffering, and the product of our suffering. That's what we're going to frame together, the, 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 our perspective on suffering, our position in suffering, and the product of our suffering. When Joseph had gone through an enormous amount of suffering and testing, God then elevated him and promoted him and made him the prime minister of, of Egypt. And, uh, and, and, and during, during the famine, his brothers came uh, out of their own land into the land of Egypt to buy food because there was no food to be found anywhere because of the famine. And they encountered uh, Joseph, whom they had sold into slavery. Uh, now, Joseph recognized them when he saw them, but they didn't recognize him. He had been in Egypt so long that he sounded like an Egyptian. He looked like an Egyptian. And so they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. And, and after engaging with them, then, then, then he, uh, he, he reveals himself to them. And this is after multiple engagements, and we'll get into some of that. But he, he, he reveals himself to them in Genesis 45, verse 4. He says, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. 
He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. How's that for perspective on his suffering? Watch what Joseph does. He doesn't excuse those who perpetrated against him. You sold me into Egypt. That was you. You did that. But you know what? I'm not holding it against you because God used it and he sent me ahead of you to prepare a place for you so that you will be saved and there will be a remnant. So in his suffering, Joseph saw the hand of God and he saw how God was going to use him or or had used him. See, up until the point of, of Joseph, see, he was in the prison and then, and then he gets called up and he has an audience with Pharaoh and he interprets the Pharaoh's dream and he gets promoted. Up until that point, Joseph really doesn't have any insight into why he's suffering, only that he's suffering. And so he is suffering, but he maintains this view. There must be purpose to my suffering. God is using me somehow. And so when he gets to finally meet his brothers, he does not meet them with anger and vengeance in mind. He says, don't worry about it. I have let it go. Why? Because I have come to understand what God was doing. Through your scandalous behavior, through your betrayal, through your brokenness, you sold me into Egypt. You sold me into slavery. I, am, I suffered, and it was because of you. But guess what? God used it. God sent me ahead. And it was actually for your own good that he did so. Joseph had perspective on suffering. But Joseph didn't always have perspective on suffering. And so when we first meet Joseph in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis 37, he's a 17-year-old boy. And he's, he's one of, uh, of, of, of 11 sons. Uh, it, there would be 12, but, but his younger brother was not yet born. But he, so he's the youngest of his father, and he's his father's favorite. His father's favorite. And he loves that he's his father's favorite. And so his father makes him a special coat to signify that he is his father's favorite. And not only that, but Joseph has a dream. And in this dream... His brothers bow down to him. And so now Joseph is convinced that he is amazing. But here is the problem. Joseph is convinced that he is amazing, but other people don't seem to be convinced that he is amazing. Have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever walked into the office knowing just how amazing you are and waiting for other people to recognize how amazing you are? Have you ever worked on a project team and, then, and, 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 and everybody's getting the credit and you're thinking, <laughs> did you say, just say thank you? What did you do? You just, did, did you see what time I sent the email? When everybody else was sleeping? How, is, how are the thank yous being shared? I'm amazing. Have you ever walked around feeling bitter because you've been passed up for promotion and somebody else has been given promotion that you know you're better than? What kind of thing? I know I'm better than this person. I've got more experience, more skills, more interpersonal whatnots. I'm better. 
Why is it that everybody else doesn't recognize it? And so what do we begin to do? We begin to slip it into conversation. We begin to slip it into conversation. Man, I better change my LinkedIn. Does my LinkedIn just express just how amazing I am? <laughs> better start slipping my accolades into conversation. Better start grabbing the credits, start sucking the limelight a little bit because if people aren't going to recognize how amazing I am, I'm going to make them realize how amazing I am. Notice how those people are the worst people to work with. Hopefully you're not those people. But that's alienating, right? The people around you, they don't want to work with you. People around Joseph didn't want to work with him. His brothers, the scripture says they hated him. In fact, it's doubly they hated him. They hated him because uh, he was his father's favorite, and then they hated him because he was starting to flaunt the dream. Hey, let me tell you guys, God speaks to me. You know, you guys know God speaks to me, right? So, In my conversation with the big guy, you know, there's going to be a restructure, and, uh, and naturally I'm going to land up at the top, and you guys are going to bow. It's, it's, it's going to have, check the memo, it's coming. Short-circuiting what God was actually doing. So because God started to speak to him, man, he took it and he ran. Yes, I like this. This is good news. You know those, those moments when you get those prophecies, those nice prophecies that we like. Mm, God, you got, God has called you for big things. Yes, amen, Pastor Greg. Thanks. Bye. I'm going to just come and post quickly how God has called me for big things. Pastor Greg hasn't told you the path you're going to have to walk to get to the big things. <laughs> Hashtag big things. Mm. <laughs> that was Joseph. That was Joseph. Before God took, could I lay the plan? He was, oh, guys, let me tell you. Not only that, he had another dream where his parents were even going to bow down to him. That's how amazing I am. Problem with being amazing and nobody else knowing it is you have to now push the agenda you have to be your own brand manager and let everybody know how amazing you are at the risk of short-circuiting what God is actually saying to you Joseph would come to discover what it is that God was laying out in front of him now if we had to go to Joseph at this point if we met the 17 year old Joseph and we interviewed him I am pretty sure that he would tell us that he is suffering. Suffering. Why are you suffering, Joseph? I'm amazing and no one knows it. It's hard. It's hard to be this brilliant and others aren't recognizing it. That is suffering. Little did he know that he would encounter actual suffering. And so we have the suffering, right? And as a result, his brothers had turned against him and they concocted this plan and he ends up in a pit, right? And so we have, we have this, this suffering that we go through sometimes that is, that is fundamentally of our own doing. We, we've made bad decisions. We've spoken out of turn. We've communicated prematurely. We've been unwise in the things that we've said. We, we've, we've moved in ego and pride and selfish motive. And it has landed us in difficult situations. And often those are relational, right? It's landed us relationally, either alienated or in difficult spaces. 
And so it's good for us to every so often just do that audit and figure out, okay, my relationships, where are they and, what, and why are they where they are? Is that, is that other people? Is that because I have continually made unwise decisions and have continu- continually communicated in unhealthy ways that have caused people to feel safer by drawing away from me? It's good for us to do that audit. But there, there's, there's, um, there's a different suffering, right? Which is uh, uh, not, not, um, not a, a, a self-inflicted suffering, but a suffering that comes because of other people's bad decisions. Other people's bad decisions. Can, uh, can I get um, a help? Over? Thank, thank you. And so, when, when, when uh, uh, the brothers saw him coming, they said, hey, here comes, here comes Joseph. And they had been out in the pasture land, uh, and his father had sent Joseph to find them. Go find, go find your brothers and, and bring back a report back. I want to know how things are going in the pasture land with the livestock. And he had gone to find them. And when they see him coming, you know, because of his gleaming coat, and, and, uh, <laughs> and they go, right. Here's this guy. Let's deal with him. And they want to kill him. And they end up throwing him in a, in a, in a pit. And so Joseph ends up in this pit. But it is not by his own doing. It is decisions that other people are now taking. Other people are now taking these decisions that have landed him in hot water. Some of you will know what I'm talking about because you have found yourself in a pit and it hasn't been by your own making. You found yourself in debt because you've had a partner, a business partner, you've had a spouse who's made some bad decisions that have influenced you. You've gone for the interview, second round, third round, final interviews, ITC, boom, blacklisted. No, 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 guys, that you, what you, it wasn't me. It wasn't the thing that you don't understand. This person, they don't care what the thing is. You're in the pit. Even though it wasn't by your own making. We live in a country that is ravaged by violent crime. And so many of us have been, have been victim to violent crime or know people that have been victim to violent crime. We've experienced loss of loved ones. If you've been a victim of rape, you know what it means to be in a pit that was not of your own making. I'm sorry that you've had to face that. And I want to give you some good news. The pit is not the end of your story. The pit is not the end of your story. So allow me to speak to Joseph. Allow me to speak to Joseph. Joseph, you find yourself in a pit. Joseph, you find yourself stuck. Joseph, you find yourself in a place that is not of your own making. But I'm here to tell you, Joseph, it is not the end of your story. Joseph, you find yourself hopeless because you've looked around and you haven't seen a way out. I'm here to tell you that this is not the end of your story. Because Joseph came out of the pit and so will you. Even if you come out of the pit and you find yourself in the prison, it is not the end of your story. There is hope. Keep fighting. Keep persevering. Keep believing. Because as long as you're in the fight, you are winning. 
It is that moment when you stop realizing that the fight is still ongoing that you begin to lose. It is that moment that we begin to give credence to the enemy. Why? Because we lose our hope. But Joseph, don't lose your hope. Your story is not over. Your perspective on suffering informs how you show up for the suffering. Now, there's, a, there's another uh, kind, kind of, of, of suffering, right, which is, which is actually a good suffering, which is suffering for a good cause. Suffering for a good cause. So in, in, uh, in Egypt, when Joseph had been sold into Egypt, and, and he is the head of uh, Potiphar's house, he's, he's the head slave in the house, and, uh, and, 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 and he's, he's going about his duties. But Potiphar's wife is thirsty. Okay, Pastor Sai. She, she's, uh, she's lusting. She's Wachala. <laughs> <laughs> Potiphar's wife starts looking at David, uh, at Joseph and thinking, mm, yes sir. So she starts trying to seduce David, uh, Joseph, not David, why am I, st- 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 <laughs> I keep thinking of David, Joseph. But he keeps resisting, keeps resisting, keeps resisting. One day he goes into the house, there's no one else there, she corners him, grabs him. He says, I'm going to have you now. You know what he does? He runs away. She's still got his clothes in her hand. He's not coming back for those clothes. He's gone. And because she's filled with shame and, and moves in rejection and, 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 and pride and all of those things, she cries out and she says, hey, look, this guy was trying to force himself on me. Here's the evidence. I've got his clothes. And the master comes back and he's told the story. He's furious. He takes Joseph and he throws him into the prison. So Joseph came out of the pit. His, his, his story was on the rise. It, looks like, it looked like he was on the recovery. He finds himself in prison, back in the pit. I joked the other day that I was looking at this, at this scripture and I thought, Joseph, could have just given Potiphar's wife some of that good, good. <laughs> Carry on with your life. <laughs> 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 and, and then I remember, thank you, suffering produces character. Okay, suffering produces character. There we go, there we go. I found myself again. <laughs> he chooses to suffer for a good cause. Many of you in this room are entrepreneurs, and you know the pain of having to walk away from a deal because you were unwilling to bring the name of God into disrepute. You know the pain of leaving money on the table because you were being asked to pay a bribe and having to go back and look your family in the eye, look your, 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 your staff members in the eye and tell them you didn't close the deal. Not only that, you don't know how you're going to pay for the expenses at the end of the month. You know the pain of doing business right. You know the pain of walking in a manner that is righteous before the Lord, that it comes with a cost. That you have chosen not to take corners and it has cost you materially. And you have looked at those people who have not cut the corners or who have cut the corners 
and you've looked at what they're driving and you've looked at where they're living and you've looked at where they holiday and you've thought to yourself, this doesn't make sense. Because I thought that I would be rewarded for my righteous acts. But it looked like they're being rewarded for their evil. How many times must Joseph have thought that thought? In prison, I would have thought that if I was faithful to God, I would be free by now. But here I am languishing in prison and the years roll on. But we have to be willing to walk into prison for the name of God. We have to be willing to pay the cost. We have to be willing to take the penalty. We have to be willing to lose. We have to be willing to take a demotion. We have to be willing, saints, to pay the cost for the sake of righteousness. Suffering is our portion. Whoever told you that as a Christian you are being called and saved from suffering did you an injustice. Because you came into the faith and the moment you experienced suffering, you began to teeter and totter because you couldn't understand why it is you were facing difficulty even though you were proclaiming the name of Christ. But because you're proclaiming the name of Christ, suffering. Do you know why? Because our master suffered. Jesus suffered. And if it wasn't spared him, it won't be spared us. Neither should we look to be spared. Because it is in our suffering that character is produced. And it is in our character that we are useful to God in advancing his agenda. We become weak, irrelevant Christians when we are committed to comfort and we avoid suffering and, 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 and we're not interested in entering into the fire or picking up a cross. What do we want? We want the resurrection. We want, we want the crown. We want the throne. We want the glory. It's through the cross. There's suffering, suffering. Just suffering, suffering for a cause. Suffering with right perspective leads us to right position in suffering. How you suffer, how you suffer matters. How you suffer matters. This, is, this was Joseph's defense to Potiphar's wife when she was seducing him. He says about Potiphar, he says, He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then, watch this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Do you know why Joseph was able to proclaim those words? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It is because he didn't blame God for his situation. He didn't look at where he was and say that God betrayed him or forsook him. He understood that people, broken people, made decisions that led him into a pit, but it wasn't God. And so his his offense wasn't turned towards him. What do do we do, you and I, when we go through difficult times, when we begin to suffer and we face hardship? Oh, God has abandoned me. God has forgotten about me. Woe is me. Look at me. Look at all the things I did for God and what did it pay off? 
Here I sit languishing in the pit. I got rescued from the pit. I thought things were getting better. I'm in the prison. My life is a tale of woe. I might as well enjoy the comforts of sin. Why? Because if God has abandoned me, then I might as well abandon him. Isn't that our big song of woe when we get into the, We find those places of comfort. And we feel justified. I'm speaking to myself. We feel justified to sin. Why? Because we're blaming our situations on God. How you suffer matters. Now look at this distinction. You're going to come out of your suffering. We said that right at the beginning. You're going to come out of your suffering. It's a season. Life hack. Learn all you can from that season so you don't have to come back and repeat the class. But you're going to come out. And when you come out, how are you coming out? Many of us have gone through the place of suffering and we have come out, but boy, we've just, just kind of come out. We've lost limbs coming out. We are in mud, mud and dirt and mired and we, man, the things we got up to in the dark are following us, trying to catch us as we're making our way out. We've just barely got victory, lost my shoe in there. It's, but man, I, I came out. Saints, th- that's not the point. Coming out, you'll come out. Coming out is not the point. Who are you here? Who are you in the dark? Who are you in the cold? Who are you in the valley? Who are you in the suffering? Let's take it one further. Who is God? How you are suffering is the point. The coming out is preserved for all of us. That victory has been given you. You can celebrate, chant, praise God because you're coming out. Because your situation right now is not your situation forever. Because that cloud that is dark, that's bringing rain over your life, even that cloud will run out of rain. Thanks, Maya Angelou. (laughs) But you're going to come out. The differentiator, when we've all come out, is who were you here? Who were you here? Were you waiting to come out before you begin to praise God? Ah, let's see how this works out. Before I give him praise. Ah, let's see if I start seeing some light. Before I start repenting. Ah, let's see what happens. Before I start being excellent, before I start finding intimacy with him, ah, let me go find intimacy in all these random other places. And then when it looks like my time is up to exit, oh, praise God, hallelujah. (laughs) Don't want to know who I was. Joseph was the same in his suffering and in his promotion. That is our victory. That glorifies God. That sets us apart. My encouragement to you, my encouragement to myself, saints, when you go through the valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Yes. 
for you are with me. You know what I'm going to start doing in the wilderness? I'm going to start praising you because I know that I'm going to come out. That part is set. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start anticipating the victory. I am living in gratitude in my suffering. I am living in praise. I am living in revelation. Why? It's already happened. My victory is assured. My partnering and my glorifying of God is in how I'm going to do it. Who I'm going to be in this place. When, when Joseph had, had been betrayed by his master and cast into the, into the prison, you know what it says about him? It says that even in the prison, he became the head of prison affairs. Now, he was still a slave. When he was in part of his house, he was still a slave, but he was the head of the slaves. When he was in prison, he's still a prisoner, but he's the head of prison affairs. And we look at that and we go, yeah, but he's still a slave. He's still oppressed. You're very right. You're very right. Much like if you were to say to me, yeah, but I'm not in the place that I want to be. I'm not in the career that I want to be in. I'm not working in the environment or in the company that are in the atmosphere that I want to be working in. In fact, I, I, I've come from a place where I used to manage big budgets, man. I, was, I managed big money. I had people reporting to me. I had subordinates. And now, now I'm feeling like this place is a demotion. What do I do now? Joseph was excellent in the master's house, he was excellent in the prison, he was excellent in the palace. Excellence is your portion. He was excellent. He wasn't waiting for the situation to change before he exercised his excellence. Oh, if you would give me that opportunity, you would see what I would do with it, God. Oh, if you would allow me to manage that fund, Lord, you would see how I would turn it around. Oh, if you would allow me to get into that agency, God, you would see my creative juices flowing. Let them flow now! Be excellent where you are. Be excellent where you are. Not going around like Joseph did, 17-year-old Joseph, trying to prove to people how amazing he is. Prove it. Let's see it. Let's see it. Book of Jeremiah says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how then will you keep up with the horsemen? Don't ask God for the horses if you can't keep up with the footmen. Run in front of the footmen. Be the pacemaker for the footmen. Watch God release you to the horses. Excellence is your portion. Having the right perspective on suffering prepares you and gives you the right position, the right position in your suffering, which produces the right character through your suffering. Produces the right character. When, um, uh, uh, when, when, when his brothers had been reunited with him, with Joseph, and he had sent for his father, and, and, and they have this moment. Before we get to this moment, let me point out that you remember those dreams, the dreams that we started with. Joseph had these dreams, and in these dreams, his brothers 
were bowing to him. And that was amazing, right? That was, that was like, whoo, they're going to see how amazing I am, right? Uh, and, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but God has said it, and they're going to see it. And it's going to be amazing. It, it, it reminds me even of, um, uh, I, I, I remember leaving this company. I used to work for this company, and, uh, and uh, it wasn't a nice environment. Eventually, I'm, I'm leaving this company. And when I'm leaving this company, remember, as I'm walking out on my last day, I look back and I said, I'm going to show them. <laughs> I'm amazing and I know it. I'm going to go and I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to become somebody big. I'm going to become a name. And then they will see. And then they will know how amazing I am. And they'll come and they'll bow at my feet. That was a motivation for me. I walked out. I'm going to find something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be great at it. I might, and then I'll happen to pass by their offices <laughs> to give them an opportunity, you know, to bend the knee. <laughs> Thank God that that dream has left me. <laughs> yeah, I became a pastor and I was like, ah, they're not going to bow. I remember pastor. <laughs> <laughs> is gone when Joseph met his brothers for the first time and he recognized them and they did not recognize him they saw him as the master of Egypt do you know what they did they bowed the fulfillment of the dream over a decade in the making and here they are bowing four times they bowed at least four times before he revealed himself and let them know who he is at least four times. Joseph took no pleasure in that bowing. First time they bowed, you know what he did? He cried. He wept. Second time they cried, he, he wanted to know about, is your father alive? Where are you living? What's, your, what's this, uh, the state of the family? Third time they bowed, he ran out of the room and went to cry. Loudly and people could hear him. Fourth time they bowed, they bowed, he chased everybody up out of the room, was left with his brothers, and he cried so loudly that everybody around, all the Pharaoh, all the, uh, the Egyptians could hear. What he thought he would derive from the achieving of the dream became negligible. Why? Because Joseph came into proper perspective and purpose through suffering. The suffering created character enough inside of him to recognize that this is a small and inappropriate dream. God is looking at you and he is saying, you want to talk to me about the three or four people who sold you out while I want to give you the nation. Abandon that small dream. Release that pain to God partner with him in your suffering so that a character is produced inside of you that makes you useful in his hand. We want to be used by God. Lord, use me. Lord, use me mightily like you did Paul, like you did Moses, like you did David, like you did these amazing people and and historical figures. Use me. Do you know who God trusts the most in this world? In the universe? himself God trusts God more than anybody else in the universe so how can I gain God's trust allowing him to empty me of myself and deposit himself 
in me allows him then to trust me with his glory, with his campaign, with his agenda. Trust God through the process. Because your suffering that does not produce character is wasted suffering. But your suffering that produces character is a gift. It produces character and makes you useful in the hand of God. Let's stand to our feet. Family, this morning, I can't think of a more apt way to celebrate Pentecost. From the reverence in worship to the reminder of who God is and giving Him the honor that He deserves, to the call to gratitude, to the reminder of how God uses our suffering to produce character. If we leave here this morning without a deeper revelation of who God is, without a greater desire to press into more of Him, then I'm sorry, we ought to be pitied more than anybody else. This is not a word that is a small word. This is not a God that is a small God. This is not a small invitation that we have been given this morning. And as we were hearing the word, as we were encountering the worship, there's a stirring that is happening here. And some of you know it. And you have been running and hiding and closing your ears for just too long. I'm here to say to you this morning, don't miss the moment. Stop running. Stop closing your ears. Stop playing small when God has called you to more and more and more of Him. This morning, there's an opportunity for those of us who have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who have not yet pressed into more of God. There's an opportunity right here. Forget that lunch plan. Forget that appointment. Forget whatever it was that you thought you needed to rush off to. He is here this morning and His Spirit is the only thing that is going to keep us standing firm till that great and glorious day.